0: To to Box TV, and we have this new thing. We have a new member, Ricardo Celis, is going to be with us Monday through Friday. We're going to have news, we're going to have briefs, and of course, he is going to be part of our commentating team with everything that has to do with boxing. And welcome to Big Fight Guide. Today, April, we're going to be reviewing from heavyweights to flyweights, and for that, I have my great team, Paul Malanaji, Chris algeri and Chris, we're starting with the heavyweights, starting the month. Anthony Joshua coming back to the the, uh, ring, and he's going to be fighting Jermaine Franklin. Is this the time for Anthony Joshua to actually show up and uh, be the great champion that we have always expected him to be?
1: Potentially, yes. I I do like this fight, even though Jermaine Franklin is coming off of a loss in his last fight against Dillian White. I thought that he showed that he belongs to the world-class level because not for nothing, Dillian White can punch, and he took some big shots from Dillian. So for him to be here in this Joshua fight, I don't hate it. They're both coming off losses. I think it's a a test in terms of what kind of stylistic aspects that that Franklin can bring to the ring. He has very quick hands. He throws combinations. Not a big puncher, so we don't have to worry as much about the chin of of Joshua, which has always been kind of in question these last couple years. I I think it's a good get-back fight. And if Joshua can go out there and resurrect who he was a couple years ago, I mean, when Anthony Joshua is the man in winning and knocking people out, the heavyweight division is very healthy, and that's a good thing for boxing. But that's the thing. Can he be
2: that guy? <laughs> is he still that... Exactly. Two straight losses against Susie. Can he be that motivated? It's uh, You know, Hagler always said it's harder to get up in the morning when you're in silk pajamas, right? And and, and Joshua certainly made enough money to have plenty of silk pajamas oh, yeah. <laughs> every day of the year. So, so, and I'm not saying that that's definitively something that constitutes him not being motivated. Uh, I think Joshua is a prideful guy, and he always wants the best out of himself. But, you know, there are times when you get to this point in your career, when you get to this point uh, with, with uh, a bit of success, uh, that you think you want it, but then when you're in those tough moments in the fight, you your, your mind tells you, well, maybe I don't want to really be here, you know? While well, earlier in your career you were willing to do that. I always was very baffled by the fact that, you know, I saw live Joshua overcome the Klitschko knockdown and just come back roaring, and he was just not to be denied. And I said, wow, this guy really, really showed something tonight because he got put in a place where I hadn't seen before, you know, the trouble he got put in, and he just roared back. He really is going to be something to deal with. Then I saw him live again in the Ruiz fight, and and he went through the same thing with the knockdown and and he just couldn't recover. Now, I'm not saying it was for lack of desire. He seemed like he was hurt, but... You know, he just has not seemed to have that same fire anymore where he's willing to go through anything to get that win. Even uh, the Ruiz rematch, he was played it very safe. He's been outboxed twice by Usyk. I think he gave a little more effort in the Usyk rematch, but nonetheless, I just don't see that same fire. And uh, it makes Jermaine Franklin a little bit... Dangerous, dangerous because he's kind not. of a weird guy, Franklin himself. It's kind of a dare I say crazy, you know what I'm saying? And you know, you know crazy guys, <laughs> crazy guys can be a little, you know, you talk they're hard they're unpredictable. Well he's and, crazy like a fox. I mean he's yeah. in there, he's in there when the fight. <laughs> yeah. He
1: puts his nose on the line, he's got a great chin, he really does let his hands yeah. go, isn't afraid to mix and it he's up. He's willing to fight. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And, and, so you got two guys who are in very different places in their yeah, career. And and, and,
2: and yeah. although Joshua's better technically, you got a guy who's willing to fight you, willing to come, be in combative mode all the time. You know, if you're not there mentally Fully 100 percent in the fight, you don't want to deal with that. You're like, you're just thinking, like, man, I I, I get, get off me. Get you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like
1: he is that kind know? of guy, He's yeah. Like a
2: little nut that's yeah. always like there, yapping, Well, yapping. when you're younger and you're hungry, you're like, you you thrive off that. you like, yeah, you want to bring it, I'm gonna pummel you. You know, so so I wonder if, you know, I'm not saying Joshua's definitely in this place, but I certainly there are clues for me to look at that tell me he might be in this place. And you know what? It's almost like human nature. You know, you get they have this much success. And, and he sort of, you know, come down a little bit in terms of energy level, in terms of enthusiasm for being in those rough fights, or, or at least rough moments in fights.
1: That being said, though, Joshua, with his skill set, his size, his power, he can make this an easy fight. If he stays on the outside, keeps Franklin off him, hits him hard enough, gets enough respect early on, I don't know if Franklin is gonna be that crazy guy who's just gonna throw himself into it and say, maybe he does, and he gets stopped, gets knocked I'm, out, and then they're gonna roll at the red carpet. I'm just him, gonna Joshua. say
0: one word. Hunger. Let's see who's hungrier. And talking about hungry, again on April 1st, and this one is going to be on ESPN, the Joshua Franklin is going to be on the zone. But rovesi Ramirez, who comes from the Cuban School of Boxing, is going to be fighting somebody we know very well, Isaac Dogbe. This fight is going to take place um, for the WBO featherweight title, and it's a vacant title. This is Dogbe's chance to get back to where he was before he met Vaquero. And Roise Ramirez, we've had this chat before. I have mixed feelings about the Cuban School of Boxing. You have a completely different point of view.
1: I, yes, I, I, we, we talked about this off air. I do disagree with you. I know you like Isaac Dogbe. I do too. I think he's a, he's a very, very solid guy, former world champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, ran into a Mexican phenom. In, yes, in, um, vaquero. Vaquero, yeah. So, but since then, I mean, he had two losses back to back. And he's rattled all four losses against stiff opposition. He was in 50-50 fights with really tough guys, got the win. Uh, beating Joe Gonzalez was was impressive um, even at this stage of his career. So, you know, Dolby's one of those guys who is, is going to give it his all. He, he's a good litmus test. And for Robisa Ramirez, so early in his career to step in with a guy like this, I think it's, it shows you how confident his team is, how confident Top Rank is, how much they want to push him and see how much he's really got. Because... Like you said, you're not a big fan of that Cuban school, but he doesn't fight exactly like the Cubans. He it's, knocks people out. It's different. I, it's not that I'm not a
0: fan. Is that when you're dealing with somebody like Dog Bay, it yes. is not the best style to face somebody like Dog Bay. As a matter of fact, I like Gamboa, I like Regondeau, but they need to be matched up perfectly. Oh. And Dog Bay, in my book, is well, one of those, well, yes. like,
2: well, bulls. Dog, Dog Bay, I think, you know, top rank, are always very good at understanding how to fill in the, the, the blank when one guy's exiting and, and making, making another Fair. guy enter at the right time. And I think this is one of those times where Dog Bay's had some rough fights. Rough. You know, he's been, uh, you know, he's been entertaining. He's produced what he's produced. But I think he's almost, you know, more well one foot out the door already. And Ribesie Ramirez... You know, speaking of the Cuban school, my opinion of the Cuban school is it's not just the boxing school, it's the mentality school in general. Mm -hmm. You know, they come here, you get the ones that stick with the discipline, and then you got the ones that lose their mind when (laughs) when they see the freedom they didn't have in Cuba. And they become very undisciplined, and it's hard to kind of, it it translates very badly in their their fights inside the ring. Even worse than I can remember guys like Ramon Garbet and stuff like that, you know, so, and Jorge Luis Gonzalez. But nonetheless, you know, when you get the guys who come disciplined, and you get the guys that bring it. Ready All the time, and they have that maturity, and Rabasi seems like he had to learn the hard way because he showed up his pro debut, and I was there live, and I was like, "I cannot see how this guy won two gold medals. this guy yeah. looks absolutely lost in the ring like like he just started boxing you know mm-hmm. and and n- what he's done to translate it after that. I mean, get, get, you know, getting with Ishmael Salas and just, you know, changing the whole mentality around. He named. Yeah, uh, uh, the whole mentality around. It. I mean, he shows up ready and focused every single time, very disciplined. And now when you bring the Cuban school of boxing into a mature fighter, into a, a Cuban fighter that has let go of all the distractions and, and and brings it into the ring, you have a dangerous guy. And Rebesi Ramirez looks like a totally different guy. Now he looks like the guy who, to me, came with all, the, all those uh, credentials. And, you know, I see it being a pretty easy fight for him.
0: I, I think the the structure that the Cuban school of boxing gives to their fighters is of fundamental importance for their transition into pros, and literally just to focus in boxing, but somebody that we understand has great fundamentals stephen Shakur who's uh, Shakur Steven saramzi I Amin mean, who 's going to be fighting Suchido Yoshino. This is going to be April eighth uh, another top rank in New York. Um, Shakur, to me, is perhaps one of the most complete fighters in this division. Hard to find somebody that can actually find mistakes or holes in his boxing.
1: Defensively, he's one of the best fighters in the world today. I mean, in terms of his, his opponent's landed percentage, it's it's literally the lowest in, in the sport. I mean, his defense is incredible. He super distantly stays focused. I personally think this fight is tailor-made for Shakur Stevenson. I think it's just a test to see how he holds up at at lightweight. This is Mm -hmm. his first fight fighting 135. Uh, I called Yoshino's last fight against uh, Masasuki Ito, and Yoshino is solid. He's very strong. He's good for the weight. He's a real lightweight, flat-footed, throws big bombs, was able to uh, really... Stick it to Nakatani, who was a very durable guy at 135. Stopped him, I think, within five or six rounds, which is very, very impressive. Again, though, it's almost like he's fighting another domestic guy at that point. He's fought all the Japanese guys that moved over to the States and got as far as they could. He's trying to go beyond that. But with Shakur Stevenson, he has a, I mean, that's an entirely different puzzle. Entirely different puzzle in front of him. And I just don't see that he has the answer or the key to figure out a way to win.
2: Yeah, I think it's more of a case of uh, this being a fight where seeing how Shakur blends into the lightweight division, seeing how he's grown into it, and it's making sure that you know he, all all the eyes are dotted and then the t's are crossed before they match him with a big lightweight. You know, with the names that everybody expects him to go up against. You know, this is his third weight class, so you know you, naturally you're going to have it a little bit a little bit of an experimental fight first. And I think that's where this opponent comes into play. I think he's you know he's what he's done so far is, is uh, you know needs no uh, introduction. You know, winning world titles into weight classes and also like, like Chris said, having that f- that fundamental defensive resume. I'm not one for uh, box. I think it's a waste of time. It's just a guy playing Nintendo. But nonetheless, I can see, <laughs> with, I can see with my own eyes. I can see with my own eyes that the guy is defensively a, a specialist. And he know, and more importantly, he knows how to translate that defense into offense and flow back and forth very, very fluidly.
1: Mark my words on this, though. Don't be surprised if people are left longing after Shakur Stevenson tunes this guy up. Unfortunately, not many people know who, who he is fighting from Japan. I yeah. know he's a good fighter. of have called his fights. If you're not a true boxing head, you're probably not going to know who Yoshino is, but I, I, I see Shakur being on a whole different level, but I think Yoshino's durable enough to stand there and take a beating throughout, and I think people are going to be looking, the American fans especially, are going to be looking like, where, 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 where's this future pound-for-pound pound guy? So I, I don't know if it's it's, it's the, the great, greatest entry into, into Lightweight. I, I honestly
0: sometimes feel that there's fighters that, despite not taking the best part of a fight, they've shown their talent so much so that the fans are willing to give a second and a third chance because they're fan-friendly fighting, period. Yeah, well,
1: Shakur not really a fan-friendly fighter. No, I'm talking about Yoshino. Yeah, but Shakur is one of those guys that when the time comes and when he needs to really step up and perform, he he absolutely does.
0: And you know what? It's time to step it up because now we're going to talk about the Hell Tower Fundora. And this is going to be right after this break. Don't go anywhere because this is a good test. You want to know, take notes because this fight is coming up April 8th. We'll be right back. Coming up April 1st, we're going to start with a new member, Ricardo Celli, starting with all the news and briefs in the world of boxing, more content, live TV, and of course, Big Fight Guide, and we're talking about everything that's going on in the month of April. We're going from heavyweights to flyweights. Thank you, our producer, George. And what's next? We're going to talk about somebody that we know very well, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, and he's going to be fighting Christian Gonzalez, who's coming all the way from Mexico to challenge this bright star. And he's already giving us the best of the best, and he's just a kid. What can we expect from Bam Rodriguez?
1: I think we expect the usual from Bam. Bam was this close to being fighter of the year last year, got edged out by Bivol. It was arguable toward the end of the year, but, you know, Bivol beat Canelo, so, you know, you got to give him that spot. But, I mean, he was right there. I mean, he's had a really breakout year. Now he's going back down to his original weight class. If people remember, he moved up because he had a title shot on two weeks' notice, couldn't make his normal weight. like, hey, I'll take that fight. Carlos Which is a great fighter. <laughs> yes. Goes out there, beats the, the experienced veteran who's been around forever, and does it in emphatic fashion. I mean, he outworked him the entire time. Defends his title again, uh, stops... uh, Rung Rungvisai. I mean, and then he had a workman-like fight, you know, at at the end of the year and kind of realized, like, I got to go back to my weight class where I belong, and now he's here. So I'm
2: expecting Bam to go out there and be Bam.
0: 23 years, and he's already looking to becoming a two-weight division
2: champ. Yeah, and he's a guy guy who, uh, you know, has a fan-friendly style. voice, you know, searches for the action, fast hands, puts combinations together. Um, Really, you know, a guy who at 23 years old, you're expected to continue to improve as well.
0: And the funny thing is, he went from 118 to 115, and he says, "Well, maybe I could try my luck at 112, and yeah. maybe, uh, my,
1: really? I mean, I could see it. He's young. It's different, You, know, Paul, you, you can you can speak that <laughs> too. When you're when you're younger, you you, you make that weight a lot different. So you pull a lot more weight. You see these guys, and they get big. And Bam gets he gets big. He gets heavy. We've all seen him, you know, around the around these cards when he's not fighting. I mean, he he gets up there, but when it's time to lock and get." Get to weight, he, he does it just fine. You well, might as
2: well, if you, well, while you're young, you might as well go down and wait. And get <laughs> as, as many a, weight classes as you can. Because when you get older, you're only going to go up and wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have a lot more on Big Fight Preview with, obviously, my two world champions right here. We're going to get more into detail, break it down, and you better take notes. So moving right along, Kenshiro Teraji is going to be fighting La Bomba Gonzalez, again, a friend of the house. This is a gentleman that has known highs and lows, and now he's trying his luck in Japan. I think this is a complicated fight from La Bomba, but I know his great. I, I have the hope that he can pull it off.
2: Well, here's the thing. Gonzalez is a guy who, you know, at those weight classes, you kind of know, you know, that you're going to have to go over to Asia. You're going to have to, you know, ply your trade mm-hmm. over there. You know, that's where the money is with those smaller weight classes. But he's also a guy who's technically, fundamentally very sound. And that, that, that translates no matter where you're fighting.
0: And do you think that uh, fighting in Japan can be that big of a factor? Specifically thinking that, He's risked it all.
1: Well, like Pauly said, that, that's where the money's at. And finally, we're starting to see these lighter weight guys and, and males and females getting, getting the, the money they deserve. I mean, we're getting got more exposure. We're actually talking about them right now, which a number of years ago, that you'd never hear about flyweights are fighting over in Japan. but. Like Paulie said, that's where the money's at, but it's also, that's where the bodies are. (laughs) That's where everyone is. The talent pool is much smaller in these lighter weight classes, which is why a lot of them have kind of mixed uh, records. You don't see a lot of undefeated guys because you have to step into deep water right away because the talent pool is that small. But, you know, at this point with those those guys, I don't think it's that big of a deal having to travel. You know, they're they're so hungry for fights, then... Go out there and, and get
2: the job Honestly, done. Honestly, it's par for the course of those weight classes. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, everybody's got to go there. You know? go and I, 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 has Gonzalez been there? I think Gonzalez has already fought there. Yes, you know? so he fought like, there So, you know, fight. it's not a completely uh, uncharted waters or uncharted territory for him.
0: I remember back in the days, Finito Lopez going to Thailand, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Cambodia, yeah. Japan. I, I
2: remember Jose, I remember Jose Navarro because Japan used to always have yeah. a New Year's Eve big New Year's Eve card and him getting uh-huh. robbed on a on a, on a show there. Where you know I remember Navarro was an Olympian for the U.S. You know got three or four title shots in his career, never won a world title, but that particular one could have got it, but it's, it was in Japan. They didn't give the decision. It was
0: not going to happen.
2: He's
1: one of those snake bitten guys who was yeah. super talented and just never yeah. was able to turn yeah. it over and get a title.
0: Well, this fight is going to be on April 8th, and we're going to be able to enjoy it on ESPN Plus. And now let's talk about the Hell Tower, Sebastián so, Fundora, six foot five, and he's going to be fighting, fighting Brian Mendoza. This is April 8th again, this time on Showtime. And let's be clear on this: when you're six 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 five and you're fighting a five foot ten, uh, it's easy to say, "Oh, this is going to be a walk in the park." Ah, uh, not really. But let's 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 break it down.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, in terms of Fundora, I love when he fights. I mean, I hate using the word freak because he's freakishly tall. But, I mean, look at, look at him in the, on the video here. I mean, he's just tall and long. But he's not just tall, long, and thin. He's strong, too. He's got power. He's got a great gas tank. He goes out there he lets those punches go. I was so impressed when he beat Hammer. Uh, Erickson Lubin, mm-hmm. you know, uh, his last fight. And now you got Mendoza. Brian Mendoza, he's a solid, solid guy. Since moving up from 147, I think he's actually better off at 154. Mm -hmm. Uh, He knocked out a former world champion with a beautiful uppercut his last fight. He's, he's riding high off that momentum, and he's ready for the challenge to to, to fight Fundora. So I, I think it's going to be a firefight for as long as it lasts.
0: And the Erikson Lubin, he actually hit the canvas for the first time, and he recovered to take that win in the ninth round. So not only was he capable and powerful,
2: he grit. recovered. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, that you, what things you guys are mentioning. This is also what make... Um, a fun guy to watch you know he's he's a guy who's going to give you an action fight no matter who he's fighting you know He's, he's hit very hittable he likes to hit and he's you know he doesn't shy away from the pocket as a matter of fact he prefers it um you know in some ways, he reminds me of Diego Corrales, who was, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who was uh, at 130 pounds uh, when he first started in one world title at 130 pounds and was, you know, freakishly tall at one for 130 pounds and also preferred to fight on the inside yeah. and, and bang it out. So, you know, guys like that, they're very rarely in bad fights, you know, and, and, and Mendoza's a capable guy, and he's, he's, he's actually a guy who I think you know, can have his own level of success against Fandora because Fandora is hittable. And that's why I think, you know, every fight where you watch, you're going to watch a Fandora is going to be some level of entertainment there. He's going to be one of those guys where you probably want to watch him anytime he fights.
0: I, have, I just have one little issue. When you're that tall and you're that lanky, and you have 80 inches worth of reach, and you're not using it, and you're still fighting, you know, not the elite at 154. But once you hit that elite, getting punched, like you just said,
2: yeah, could be very but, risky. But like Champ said, you know, he, he, fought, he fought Lubin already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, honestly, puncher, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, it's also very tough to change your style completely at this point in your career. This is the way he's always known to box. It's, it's, it's going to be the way he boxes.
0: Well, this fight, if you want more information, we're going to have it on the Big Fight Preview. And of course, they have all the details. Don't forget, you just make notes. And if you want more, you come back and you watch the Big Fight Preview for Fundora. And subscribe. Of course, we're going to have a lot of content for free with commercials. But if you don't want to have the commercials, easy, $1.99 a month. And you get everything nice and clear on your phone, on your tablet, anywhere you want. Don't go away because we're going to come back with one of the fights i have been waiting for a little bit. Ryan Garcia against Tank Davis. This is coming up. Don't miss what the guys have to say. The world champions. We'll be right back. And we're back here in Big Fight Guide. And April 15th, we are going straight to the big guys. One of uh, Chris's favorites. Zhilei Zhang is going to be facing Joe Joyce. This is in the O2 Arena, April 15th. This is a fight that's going to take uh, place on ESPN+. Plus. You can enjoy it there. Two big guys. Zile Zhang, as we know, coming from China. Joe Joyce, interesting combination. Irish, Nigerian, but born in Scotland. Let's talk about endurance, let's talk about athleticism, and sheer size. Xilé Zhang has actually the juggernaut. We know him like that for a reason. You're, like, keen on this fight.
1: I am. I like both these guys, actually. And, and, and listen, I don't think they're the best guys in the division by, by any means, but <laughs> I just think that the matchup is really important. You, you've got Zhang, the bang, you've got uh, Joe Joyce, the juggernaut, to me, it's almost like the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. You've got the power of Zhang and you've got the, the durability of Joe Joyce. Joe Joyce is one of those guys, I mean, he's never really been hurt. He's never been down. He's had a, he's had a string of really impressive victories lately, especially coming off that win against Joseph Parker, who he stopped, which is very mm-hmm. impressive. He's a high-level guy. He's been in with the best. And he's not one of those guys that get stopped very often. So for Joe Joyce, even though he is someone new to the sport and in terms of the guys that he's fighting, I mean, he's making fast strides recently. And I think that... With the power that Zhang comes with from that left hand, especially as a southpaw, I think it makes for a fun fight for as long as it lasts.
2: I tell you what, I, I think stylistically it comes together nicely. I've, I've heard you criticize uh, Zhang, saying he's, he's flat-footed he and stuff flat-footed. like that. But, but where's Joe Joyce going. <laughs> he's, not, <laughs> he's, he's not exactly Muhammad Ali with his juggernauts are moving. Aren't yeah, movers, so, yeah, so you know what you have there is you know two guys who are probably going to be you know. Have, Fighting a majority of, of the fight at middle to close range, you know, I don't think they're going to be getting away from each other too much unless somebody gets hurt. You know, neither guy really likes to back up. I'm not saying they, they go all out pressure, but I think Zhang comes and brings the pressure that he can. I don't think Joyce is really going anywhere. He'll gladly meet it. Both guys are big and strong. You know, I think both guys are Olympians. You know, I know Joyce is... uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they've got... It's a solid, fun fight. And and I do think Joyce is one of the best heavyweights in the world. I I, I do think, you know, I'm not saying for sure he can win the title. I mean, I, I, I think he's a bit too slow to mess with Usyk. And probably you know, doesn't have enough dimensions to be Fury, but in, a, in an always-changing heavyweight division, uh, you could see Joyce winding up with a title in, in, in some point. Well, I, just, I like, think
1: either way, these, whoever wins this fight is going to be in, in contention for any of those top guys, and I think that's, that's important for, for the, the prospect of, of the heavyweight division.
0: And that will definitely be a decisive and moment the, for the heavyweight and the, division, and I love I, it just to, because I love what he said. Claudia, it just doesn't need to be always pretty. Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: boxing is not always art. This is, this is yeah. not one of those fights, but it's yeah. gonna be good. It's <laughs> a good point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it it and and just to show something artistic, that day it would be the 30th anniversary of none other than 38th anniversary of Hagler Hearn. So talk about beauty against again. beast. Uh, so. Beautiful
1: violence. Yes. Beautiful violence.
0: We love it. Now we have to go into one of the fights that we've been waiting for a while. Ryan Garcia, we've been waiting for him to get back into the ring for a while. And he's gonna be finally facing Tank Davis. This is a Showtime the Zone fight. It's gonna take place in Las Vegas, April 22nd, It's Showtime the the Zone, so who
2: has it? It's both. Pay per view. Yes. Oh, the little mix-up. Okay. It,
0: it's a combo. It's a yeah, co-promotion, yeah, co-production. Yeah, yeah.
2: Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they split the teams. I don't know. Huh? Of my, course. My, my wallet has it, Polly. That's who has it.
0: <laughs> All our wallets have yeah. it. But I, I think, and I'm going to put this as a factor that I see might change the rhythm of the fight. Uh, Ryan has been gone for a while. He's had mental issues, mental health issues, and uh, Tank Davis is facing some uh, court dates due to incidents in his personal life distractions, distractions, distractions. And this is not the kind of fight you can walk in with distractions.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, both men are dealing with out-of-the-ring issues yes. in, in recent recent months and years and whatnot. So it's almost like an even playing field. It's who, who's going to be able to rise above it, get, get, get the job done on fight night. So I don't even take that much into as, as being a factor, because they're both dealing with stuff. I, and I think both of them have talked about this fight for so long. I think the boxing world has been talking about this yes. for so long. A lot is riding on this fight. And really, whoever goes out there is able to deal with the bright lights and perform and fight their fight, I think takes it.
2: I think, you know, ultimately there's a couple of different stylistic things you, you, you think about, right? You think about Jamanta Davis is, seems like a tougher guy. He seems, you know, he's more battle-tested. But then, I don't look at Jamonta Davis' resume as being super great, but then again, it's better than Ryan Garcia's who yeah. who hasn't really wanted to push himself, I feel, the way he, at least his team hasn't wanted to. Although, I think Garcia has the best win out of both of them, and Luke Campbell. You know, I think mm-hmm. Luke Campbell is a guy who was very and solid. And he recovered from and, a knockdown. And, and he recovered from a knockdown. So, at that point... He fought great that night. Yeah, and at that point, I thought to myself, but hey, this guy turned the corner. Sort of like like I thought about Joshua with the Klitschko fight, mm-hmm. the only difference is it, I think it scared him. It made him realize, wow, you know, I, I, everything I'm centered around, everything I'm based on, is based on my boxing. I, all the other things are intangibles like commercials, modeling, everything else. But if he doesn't, he's not a successful boxer. It's possible that all the other things fall off the tree, so to speak. And so I feel like he almost didn't want to risk it after that because wh- while I thought he was on his way, you know, I see that fight and I said this kid is on his way, he's going places. After that, he sort of left a lot to be desired. You know, you have the mental health thing. Where is it mental health if if you're a good, very good at boxing, but you don't want to do it? Is that considered mental health? I don't know because I feel like that's the only problem Ryan has. You know, I feel like he he's a very good boxer when he when he motivates himself when he's there. But I don't I don't know I'm not necessarily sure he wants to go through the suffering of what professional boxing at this level gives you. Javante Davis, on the other hand, I feel is a guy who you know is willing to suffer. He hasn't had to suffer yet. He hasn't stepped up all the way to where we'd like to see him. Honestly, the more belts they create, the more the lightweight guys stay away from it. Each other because they all think they have something, so you know that, that's a problem, but nonetheless, you know, this is a fight we're happy we're getting, it. we finally got it. And there's things to keep in mind. I remember Javante said, Um, all Ryan Garcia had to let took, and I said, You know what, I hadn't really thought of that. You know, well, I was thinking about the intangibles Ryan has that may give Javante pro- problems, such as Javante's a uh. A habit of starting fights slowly against the mm-hmm. guy with punches like like Ryan. You don't want to do that. Uh, Jamanta being the much shorter guy and and, and Ryan ha- knowing how range. to use that range and, and 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 setting up his long punches to, with power. You know, I, I thought there were things, but then when he said that, Jamanta made me think. I said, "Oh man, you know what? It's it, it, he is very hooked." you know, happy. You know, I, is, is, is it something to look for? Is that going to play a psychological ploy on Ryan where he's going to be trying too hard to show other weapons well, and fall the, into the problem, fall into some traps? The
1: thing about that hook is, if, say that is the only shot he has. It's that goddamn good.
2: Yes. yes. Yeah. It really is a great and he sets
1: hook. it up in different ways, he, of course. He he really whips that thing, and he's got great. He doesn't really, he's not really a jabber. He actually pulls that lead hand. Mm-hmm. And Javante was saying that, too. He doesn't use the jab, and, and, and Ryan has argued with that. He does use it, but he doesn't use it as a weapon. He uses it more of a rangefinder as a distance, and then he times the onrushing guys. And against a guy like Javante Davis, one who's smaller, mm-hmm. shorter, and also is a salpa, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful shot that's very hard to see. So now you've got speed, you've got power, because I do believe Ryan has one-punch power. Yeah. He can, he oh, can yeah. ice anybody yeah. in those divisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got the speed, you've got the power, and you have a shot that you don't necessarily see based on your stance. Uh, that, that hook could be enough. And he's
0: tall, and he's rangy, and he knows how to walk the ring. But with that being said, Gervonta, like you said, uh, he can make the fight dirtier. And I have one more thing to add, just, just a little thing. The fact that he only uses that left hook, let's say, mm-hmm. he's very effective, and I'm just going to remind you of somebody that made a hell of a career with one punch. The overhand right, Deontay wild Yeah. The, just the, because the you know right it's hand, yeah. there, but yeah. it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you got what it takes to avoid But in the smaller weight classes, yes, it's a say, bit... Yeah.
2: You need a couple more dimensions because everything Fair. comes at you a lot faster. One thing about uh, uh, the different... One thing I, I like about Davis that Ryan doesn't have, Davis' ability to throw some really pretty combinations at, at, at short range, where he, mm-hmm. he rips them with power, and they flow so smoothly. You know, I remember uh, the Jose Pedraza fight, where he really put together some nice shots that and punctuated punctuated with some big shots, with, with a big punches at the end of the combinations. You know, th- those are really fluid. Ryan, on the outside, we've seen him throw combinations, but I'll tell you what, if Gervantes is able to close that gap it's not going to be just the overhand left that dropped Luke Cam- uh, dropped him from Luke Campbell. It's going to be a hard combinations he gets hit with. So Ryan has to have the, an ability to not only know how to defend from there and, and, and keep Javante at bay, and keeping him at bay might be what hurts Javante himself. Mm-hmm. But also be willing to possibly go through fire again the way he had against Luke Campbell. Well,
1: don't don't forget Javante Davis's body work. He's got very sneaky yeah. body work. That I think a lot he- of people miss. He picks those shots really nice up and underneath. Guess what? Ryan Garcia is a very long torso. Long torso, he's so you're very right. Tall and Gervante, he's going to be there for those shots if Javante can get inside. And Davis
2: assaults you. You know yes. what I mean? When he gets to you, he assaults you. It's not, it, and he it, comes it's out not just a fight. He, he fights, he's patient, whatever. And, and I, I can get on him for that because it's frustrating to see him sometimes be too patient. Yeah. And like I said, in this fight, I think it could cost him if he gets himself hit with some stuff early on because Ryan has the kind of power that could end it. Yeah. But I'll tell you, when Javante gets to you, he doesn't... He, it's, not, it's not a fight. It's an assault at that point. So Ryan has to also be willing to understand that in certain situations, it may be... Listen, two world-class guys fight. It can go back and forth, you know? So Molly. you got to be willing to get through your tough I, moments I, I, as I'm well, and I'm you, not convinced... Do you, do you see how I'm excited? not convinced Ryan <laughs> can do that yet! I saw we him have, do it in the Luke Campbell fight, but then fight. he disappeared. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta know. I gotta know. You, I need <laughs> some answers to this fight. This is why this fight is this fight. Is we're, this fight. Have, we're
0: excited. It's gonna be exciting. So don't forget, we're gonna have the Big Fight preview. We have all the details, take notes. And of course, we're gonna keep you here with all the news and everything that has to do with boxing starting April 1st with all kinds of good news. In the meantime, we're gonna bid you all night on behalf of my production crew and my teammates. Till next time.